Hello and welcome to the podcast for the June issue of The Lancet Neurology. Editor Helen Frankish is here with me, Richard Lane, to discuss some highlights from the June issue. Welcome, Helen. We're going to cover two research articles in some detail. The first concerning childhood stroke and another research article looking at multiple sclerosis. Plus, I think you'll mention a few other highlights. Let's start with the article about childhood stroke. I think we need to ask ourselves, Helen, how common is childhood stroke and what are the current treatment guidelines for it? Well, because of modern imaging techniques, stroke is increasingly being recognised in children, though it's still fairly rare. And up to about 13 out of every 100,000 children are estimated to have a stroke each year. And in terms of management of stroke in children, two sets of guidelines were published last year, the American Heart Association guidelines and the updated CHEST guidelines, both of which vary slightly in their recommendations for the management of stroke in children, depending on the underlying cause of the stroke. However, one area in which both sets of guidelines are consistent is on the use of alteplase. In both guidelines, thrombolysis with alteplase is not recommended outside of a clinical trial setting because there are no data on whether alteplase is safe or effective in children who have had a stroke. Just remind us, Helen, about the mode of action of alteplase. It's thrombolytic, as you just mentioned, but it's it's quite a buzz treatment at the moment isn't it and we've covered it quite a bit in both the Lancet and the Lancet Neurology recently. That's right as you said it's a thrombolytic drug so it dissolves the blood clots that cause ischemic strokes opening the blocked blood vessel and allowing blood to flow again to areas that have been starved of oxygen and in adults alteplase has revolutionized the treatment of stroke and it's been shown to be safe and effective if given within four and a half hours of a stroke so it's feasible that it might also work in children but as we said earlier there have been no clinical trials to assess its safety and efficacy in children who've had an ischemic stroke. Do go on and tell us about the current study methodology and and main results. So in the study, the authors set out to describe current practices in terms of use of alteplase and outcomes in children with acute ischemic stroke who are treated with intravenous or intraarterial alteplase. And they did this by reviewing the clinical records of patients who were enrolled in a multicenter international registry of children with ischemic stroke. And the researchers found that of 687 children that were cared for by the investigators taking part in the International Paediatric Stroke Study, 15 children had received alteplase. And among these 15 patients, 9 were treated with intravenous alteplase and 6 with intraarterial alteplase. And in seven patients, treatment was given outside of the therapeutic time window that is recommended in adults with a maximum time to treatment of 52 hours after the stroke for intravenous alteplase and 24 hours after the event for intraarterial alteplase. So in terms of outcome, on the whole, this was poor. So two patients died, uh, just one patient was healthy, and 12 patients had neurological deficits at discharge from hospital. And four children had an intracranial hemorrhage after treatment, but none of these was deemed to be symptomatic. So what can be concluded from this study, Helen, and what are the next steps along this path to see whether alteplase has 
a potential role in the treatment of stroke among children? Well, I think the main conclusions are that despite the lack of evidence on the use of alteplase in children, and in spite of guidelines suggesting that alteplase should only be used in children within the setting of a clinical trial, some children are receiving alteplase in routine clinical practice and at time intervals that are often outside those recommended in adults possibly because of a lack of facilities with established protocols for the treatment of, a, of childhood stroke or a lack of expertise among clinicians in some centres. And the authors of the study urge caution in the use of alteplase in children who have had an ischemic stroke and they call for a dose-finding trial to assess the safety and feasibility of alteplase in children who've had an acute ischemic stroke. Thanks Helen. Sounds like we need much more research in that area. Interesting mm-hmm. though that is. Yeah. And moving on, you have have a research article. It's a drug trial uh, in the field of multiple sclerosis. This is looking at adding on a drug to conventional treatment. Before we go into the detail, Helen, just remind us of the treatment, or if you like, the limitations of treatment currently for MS. Well, there are two first-line treatments for relapsing remitting MS, interferon beta and glutirumer acetate. However, these first-line treatments are only partially effective. Two other drugs that may have greater therapeutic effects are available, natalizumab and mitoxantrone. But these drugs are associated with more serious side effects, and so they're reserved for second-line treatment. New drugs for the treatment of MS may be on the horizon, and there have been a few recent studies published in the past year or two that have shown promising results, though it may be some time before these drugs become available. And another strategy that some researchers are looking at is the testing of combinations of drugs that are already available to determine whether the combination of drugs could have additive or synergistic effects. And one such drug is methylprednisolone, and this drug has several properties that suggest it could be beneficial in MS. It has anti-inflammatory effects, and also it might reduce the occurrence of antibodies to interferon beta, which are a major problem in the use of interferon beta for the treatment of MS. And this study in particular, Helen, can you go on and give us some details here about randomization, the patients involved. So the title of this study is the NORMIM study and in this trial the researchers recruited 130 patients with MS who had had at least one relapse within the previous 12 months despite treatment with interferon beta. And these patients continued to take interferon beta and were randomised to methylprednisolone add-on therapy given orally on five consecutive days every four weeks or placebo for at least 96 weeks. And the primary outcome that the researchers looked at was the mean number of relapses per patient per year. And the results, they seem encouraging, but am I right in thinking that there wasn't enough statistical power for really meaningful results? That's right. Um, The results showed that there were fewer relapses in the methylprednisolone group than in the placebo group. And the yearly relapse rate, which was the primary outcome, in the methylprednisolone group was 0.22 compared with 0.9 for placebo, which equated to a relative reduction in the relapse rate of 62% in patients who were treated with methylprednisolone as add-on therapy. There were no significant differences between the groups in terms of the secondary outcomes, though, and these included um, time to worsening disability, changes in the score, 
on the MS functional composite scale or the number of new or enlarging lesions on T2 MRI. And as you said, unfortunately, the numbers were quite small here. Um, The study had to be stopped early because of a slow recruitment rate. And there was also quite a high rate of dropout, which meant that the study lacked statistical power for some of the comparisons. And so what about next steps, Helen? I imagine this is a kind of frustrating result because you can see some potential here. But statistically, as I said, the power's not there yet. So it's too early to get too excited, though it, it could be a promising treatment option. That's right. I think it is an important development because methylprednisolone is cheap and it appears to be quite safe. So it may be an important alternative to the more expensive and potentially more harmful second-line therapies. But as you mentioned, these, these findings first need to be confirmed in further studies. And at the annual meeting of the AAN last month, Um, researchers presented the results of the much larger McCombin study in which nearly 350 patients were randomised to methylprednisolone as add-on therapy to interferon beta or placebo. And similar to Norman's, the results of McCombin showed that there was a 38% reduction in yearly relapse rate with methylprednisolone. But these results haven't been published yet though and the full results of Macombin need to be assessed in greater detail before any firm conclusions can be made about the efficacy of methylprednisolone as add-on therapy. So watch this space and do just point out some other highlights from the June issue of TLN. Okay, well, continuing the MS theme, we have a review on the management of breakthrough disease in patients with MS, a review on neuroimaging in migraine, a review on carotid artery imaging in the diagnosis and management of patients of risk of stroke, and finally a review on primary CNS lymphoma. Those were some of the highlights from the June issue of The Lancet Neurology. Many thanks to Helen and to you all for listening. See you next month.